0: This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to
1: network.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Coffee, fuel, Radio UNK Radio UNK Hey, hey, hey! It's me, DJ Unicorn, your pocket DJ, and you're listening to Radio UNK. Let's get amped with author and musician Ronald Mulfi. He is our special guest and featured artist on this week's New Music Monday. Hello and welcome to the show, Ron.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. This is great.
1: This is so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, such a short notice uh, and and jumping in here and wanting to do this. So uh, I do everything
0: short notice. That's great.
1: <laughs> right. That's fly by the seat of your pants. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Why don't you let the the unicornos, as I like to call the listeners, mm-hmm. uh, let them know who you are and what you're about. And then we'll get into your record launch and we'll talk about your books as well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm Ronald Malfi. Um, I am a uh, novelist. I write kind of spooky books, little horror novels, thriller suspense. Uh, My uh, newest one uh, is a collection of five novellas called They Lurk that just came out, uh, I believe, last Tuesday. And, um, and I'm also the front man of the rock band Veer. So I play guitar and sing for those knuckleheads. And, uh, we've got, uh, our, our second album coming out, uh, which will be Saturday, uh, last Saturday, I guess, for your listeners. Um, and that, uh, album is called Soft Machines. And I'm happy to be here to talk to you about both of them.
1: That is so cool. Um, so what, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, dive into some music questions first. Sure. So, um, i'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about teenage music years because that's kind of like the formative uh, for when we started listening to music and defining ourselves, right, as who we are and what what we're into, right? Right. So when you were a teenager, what band posters were on your walls?
0: That's a good question. I thought you were just gonna go general and ask me what music I liked, which everyone Band posters. I had a John Lennon poster. I had a post the the album cover for the or the poster of the album cover for Throwing Copper the the live album uh that was out. Um there was a Springsteen poster, there was a Spice Girls poster. Uh I, I won't necessarily get into that. Um what else did I have? I think I may have had a a Prince poster at one point maybe. I yeah. think Yeah. Yeah. And there was a period where just to irritate my parents, I photocopied um, uh, Richard Nixon's face and put him on all the (laughs) that was my that was the extent of my rebellion. But yeah.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, John Lennon
0: was prominent. It was right by my bed. It was a blue hand sketched big one of him playing a guitar. That's, That's what I remember the most.
1: Oh, very cool. Very cool. As a teenager, did you ever imagine did you ever imagine you'd be doing what you're doing? Playing music and writing books, living the dream life, so to speak. Um,
0: you know, it's funny. I I was dumb enough at that age to think that if you just wanted to do something and wanted to pursue it, you could make it happen. Um, so had I been a little savvier, a, a little more worldly, I probably would have given up on both of these things. But I wasn't. I just uh, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to do them. Um, I just figured, you know, I'll, I'll keep writing uh, and and when and. When I'm, you know, old enough and trying to, you know, start a career and doing all that that fun stuff, then that's when my writing career would take off. Um so I was kind of naive in that regard, but I guess my pigheaded, you know, doggedness uh just kind of saw me through in that regard. Um, as for the music, uh, you know what? Honestly, as much as I always loved playing music, I never thought um that I would continue doing it this long only because, you know, with writing, it's a very solitary endeavor. It's just me. I only rely on myself with music. You know, I got three other, you know, it's a three headed monster. I deal with it every band rehearsal and every show. And I mean, they're all great and we're we're as tight as can be, but uh, you know, you got to rely on other people for that. Um, And uh, I don't trust my skills as a solo artist. So there's that. Uh, But uh, you know, so I always, I always figured to be a part of my life in some regard, um, but as far as uh, you know, continuing to, to you know play live, make records, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of surprised I'm I'm doing that now. To be honest with you, <laughs> so, so, you
1: yeah. <laughs> so your teenage self would would truly be like, wow, holy crap, I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, he would be. He'd be like, this
1: guy's a badass,
0: and I, you know, I'd be like, get away from me, kid. <laughs> from <there." laughs>
1: So, so I, I've got a feeling this is going to be our last teenage question, or I should okay. I should rephrase that. How old were you when you got your first guitar, and do you remember the first song you learned and or played? Wow.
0: So I got a guitar before I knew how to play music as like a Christmas gift or something from my parents. It was an old Squire too. I still have it like hanging in my basement. Nice. Uh, it looks like it's been through the apocalypse, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but I didn't know how to play, and I really wasn't interested in playing music at the time. Uh, I, what really got me interested is um, I was a junior in high school, so late as far as like kind of learning music goes. Um, and it's gonna sound a little weird because I, you know, I love alternative rock. I, I I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I listen to all that, it's my favorite kind of stuff. But I was home from school one day, uh, sick, sitting on the couch, and then the movie Great Balls of Fire came on with Dennis Quaid. And I was so blown away by the music in that movie and watching his hands. I put, I got it from the couch. I put like a VHS tape. This is how long ago it was. VHS tape in the, in the recorder. I recorded the movie and then I played it back over and over and over to watch the, the hands play. And I, we had like this cheap little Casio keyboard in the house. So I got that out and I learned how to play all of that. Um, and I guess what I didn't realize is I, saw, I had a kind of a, a natural ear, just kind of I could pick up stuff and play it back. But I'd never played music before. So I didn't know that was something that not everybody can do. Um, so around that same time, my, my parents, friends were moving. They moved an old uh, upright grand piano into the house. They wanted my little sister to take piano lessons. I don't think she ever touched it. Uh, but I fell in love with this thing and I played it for like two months straight. And I basically, after two months of playing, I could just kind of, I could play anything. I was, I was playing classical music. I was playing whatever was on the radio. I was playing, you know, all of my CDs. Um, so the first songs were me emulating those Jerry Lee Lewis songs. Um, but then I remember, I think I forced my brothers to to join me in a band. I have two two younger brothers. They play drums and stuff. Um, and uh, I think Downbound Train by S- Springsteen was the first thing the three of us tried to put together and uh, we called ourselves the captives because we were all grounded and we couldn't leave the house. So that was, that was my first band with my brothers.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. I, there's something um, kind of uh, well, obviously besides the nostalgia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, But when you think about like hearing how other musicians are inspired from other musicians and how it just kind of feeds and the fact that you were able to just play that stuff back like i like i'm i'm like blown away like i'm not worthy i'm not worthy like that's freaking awesome like i wish i had that talent
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i got you know i got stupid lucky with the fact that after you know once i became serious in, in with music you know my friends and i put together our first like legit you know band when we were in high school again like junior year of high school um you know my my one brother was on drums. My best friend was on bass. My other best friend, I guess, was on, on the other guitar. We took turns singing and it just happened to be like me and the other singer and guitar player. He could do the same thing and didn't realize it. So we could list. So we, we wind up, we wound up, uh, getting gigs at parties. Like people would give us like a 40 song list. We learned them in a weekend just by, by learning it. Oh and, uh, and then we started writing our own stuff, which just, We had a good bounce of back and forth between me and and the other guy, uh, my buddy Chase, who uh, was also very good. You know, he was a great songwriter, great uh, eclectic uh, musician, um, only because we were all both eclectic because we didn't know how to play, you know, properly. But uh, so I kind of got spoiled with that because years later, when you try to assemble bands with other people and you realize, oh, wow, not everybody can do that. Like you actually need sheet music. I don't know how to read music. That doesn't mean anything to me. Like people, it was the pace was much slower, you know. Um, So I was like, man, I was I was really spoiled out of the gate. I didn't have to do a lot of work up front. And it, it was more work on the back end learning, you know, to play with other people. (laughs)
1: That's so cool, man. I think that's like every musician's like wish or like if you had a genie and you'd be like, okay, I want to be able to just play anything and hear anything and just rock with it. I do have a question for you. The personal question for you before we get into the band stuff. You're from New York. yeah. Did you ever? I know you're a bit younger than me, but did you ever make it to CBGB before it shut down?
0: No, um, that was another poster I had on my wall though. Uh, but no, I didn't. I, I'm i from Brooklyn, New York, originally. I was pretty young when we moved out of there, so I'm really I've been living in Maryland uh since like 10 years old. You God. know, I, they make me turn in my Brooklyn card. You know? <laughs>
1: But that's pretty cool. Mar- Maryland is freaking awesome. Like I have mad respect for Maryland. You guys, you guys have like a really big imprint on, I was actually doing some research on your website mm-hmm. and you guys have won a lot of awards. You have um, like your accolades on the website is like phenomenal. I'm, I was just like, holy crap. Like these guys are like seriously legit East coast rockers.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, with Veer, we've, I guess we've been around since like late 2016 or so. Um, It, it, that was after 20 years of not playing any music. And, and my brother, uh, who's the drummer, my brother, John is the the drummer of beer. Um, He was also, he's also a Luther. He builds guitars. So he, he would throw these festivals for his sponsored artists every year. And one year he's like, you know what? Let's get up and play with it. It's been forever. Let's get up and jam with one of of my guys. So he played and man, we got the bug like right back. Right. So like after that, we grabbed our, you know, my buddy Fowler, uh, for guitar, uh, his friend Christian came in, um, and we just got down to it and started writing, uh, what became material for our our first album, uh, that came out in 2018. Um, but we, we were, um, lucky enough. Well, some of it was luck. A lot of it was hard work on my brother's part, who's not only the drummer, but does all our marketing, booking, promotion, design, anything. He's basically 90% of this band. Right. Um, you know, he he had a lot of contacts and we were we were fortunate to get on a lot of bills when nationals would come through Baltimore, uh, you know, anywhere, really anywhere in the mid-Atlantic region. So we played with Fuel, Trap, you know, yeah. uh, 40 Below Summer, uh, kill Killswitch, uh, you know, uh, any, any of those kind of things. So, um, you know, the list h- has grown and we've been able to cultivate a fan base uh Basically on the shoulders of those guys, and uh, thank you, fellas. And um, you know, so now we're kind of doing our own thing. So we'll do our, we'll we'll still do um, opening acts and festivals for for bigger sh- shows that come through town. Uh, but then we headline our own our own gigs uh, locally, and uh, you know, we've kind of that's kind of kept the ball rolling for us.
1: Very that that is so cool. Yeah, because your guys's website and <laughs> your YouTube is like it's legit. Like I was watching the um, you have the official video for <laughs> Red Tide. Right. And uh, science. Mm-hmm. And um, before and again, before we go into those, uh, let's talk about the band name and the band sound. What's the story behind the name? And did you guys know you wanted that particular sound for this particular band?
0: Um, yes. Yeah, so the name was so once we started playing, you know, writing music and, you know, you need a name. And of course, I, I just remember texting my brother back and forth, just every variation, just like you feel like you're 10 years old again right like i don't know what about a uh, battery apple what about uh you know uh sky Thong? you know we co- we were coming up with all this crazy shit um and it, it was funny like it, nothing we none of us liked any of it so then i wrote something back or he i can't remember who wrote what but it was sort of like um I don't. You didn't, you didn't. You wouldn't think it'd be this hard to come up with a name, just you know, just because we've been out of practice for twenty years. Ha ha ha! And now we've just happened to veer back into playing. I'm like, veer. There it is. <laughs> we went away and we came back. Um. So that's how we got the name. I actually hate the name, but that's how we got the name. <laughs> I wanted. I wanted to use Survivor Type. I thought that was. It's like based on. A, it's a title of a Stephen King story, and I'm like, ah, that should be that should be the title of the band or the name of the band. But I was overruled. I guess. <laughs> No, and does it, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, what was, and you had a second part to that. Um uh uh
1: the sound, how how you done. guys came with the sound, like the then so uh to quote your actual from your website, which is actually quote my awesome, me. Okay, uh yeah. mid-range heavy deceptively upbeat. And I'll go into my notes because that is that is actually like the perfect description mid-range heavy deceptively deceptively beat. have you noticed how coffee Fielded stories doesn't have any ads that's because i work tirelessly to keep this show alive after three years on my own i've decided i need to ask for your help i've never asked anyone to subscribe i've never asked anyone to leave a review I've never asked anyone to rate the show, and I've never asked anyone to pay to listen. There are a few ways you can help support the show. I've created a Patreon page, Coffee Field Stories, and a subscription section on my podcast website. It's simple to support and help me keep my dream alive. Just click the link in the show notes to set up your paid subscription option. It's that easy. Thank you for your support.
0: Oh, whoever wrote that, they're, they're probably they're spot on. I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah, you know what? Like, like I think it, if you're writing music, um, yeah, you can write songs that sound like something else. Like I could write a country song or I could write a song that sounds like a particular band, right? Um but when you're when you're kind of doing it organically, um, it kind of comes out the way it comes out. And it's not just like I write the majority of the of the material for the band, I bring it to the guys. We we work through it. Some of it, they're like, "Hey, get, nope, don't like it, dump it." I'm like, there's oh, a week of my life. Okay, and uh, uh, you know, and then other times, if they like it, they we rework it then as a as a as a four piece and you know, Fowler will bring in his guitar licks. Christian writes his bass lines. My brother John's got a good sense, not just for playing the drums, but, you know, how to bring the, you know, a lot of our songs have this hallmark sort of low low verse, heavy chorus kind of thing. He knows when to, you know, the the nuances of all that. He's very good with it. So, um, you know, you replace any one of us and the musicals change a little bit. Um, but I think just the sound that we have, was just organic to who we are and what we were writing. And it, and really, as far as writing music, um, I'm a big believer in no need to duplicate something that already exists. I mean, there are plenty of bands out there who all sound the same, doing the same thing. And you could kind of, you know, give me those same three or four chords and, and we can do the same thing. But what's the point, right? So I really, from the beginning, was just I was very interested in playing music that if someone heard it, they couldn't really say, well, that sounds just like this band, like all their songs could fit on this band's album. You know, maybe we have one or two songs that have a sound that sounds, you know, but overall, um, you know, I just try to keep it fresh, unique and make it say, oh, that that's Veer. That's what Veer sounds like, you know, that um, happens to be, you know, I like I write the type of stuff that I enjoy listening to um from from other you know all other other bands and stuff so it kind of falls into that that vein but yeah i mean you replace any one of these guys in this band and you're going to get a different sound right because we're all bringing our own influences uh fowler my guitar player very very blues oriented guitar player he's really um when you hear the our first album has a lot of blues notes to it uh even though it's a hard rock album um this album the the soft machines our, our second record is uh you know he just went over and above and beyond in his his style uh really changing getting out of that one four five progression getting out of those fifths those major fifths and you know just just pushing the boundaries of what he's he's playing his solos on this record are mind-blowing i his fingers look like small sausages so if you've ever actually watched him play a guitar it's amazing that you could move that fast so yeah there's my plug for his fingers.
1: <laughs> nice. No, I, I love it. Um, it's, it's funny that you say that because when I was first going back to school, um, to, to get my degrees, I did about five different freelance gigs for a music magazine an online music magazine. And so one of the things the guy would do is he would send me to a, a PO box and there would be like five CDs in there. Right. And my job was to write things down and do an online review to kind of help get the band exposure. Right. And so it's crazy that I I was listening to your music and I I have so these are my notes. okay yeah. Yes, which Gladys. I actually caught that in Mr. Cables, which we'll talk about. <laughs> um, but it felt really cool to be listening because I felt like I was, Doing my freelance music experience again, listening. And, you know, he would say, okay, compare it to, or, you know, help these guys out and, you know, give. So when I was listening to your soft machines, uh, Mm -hmm. by the way, that media kit is that was flawless. So thank you for that. That was perfect.
0: Great. Um, well now I wish I would have sent you an actual CD and, and really hearkened back to your old days.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's all good. It's all good. I like I like I was just I was so happy to be able to like actually listen to the full album because I know not not everybody can you know, sometimes they're usually like here's three songs and you know, yeah. let, let us know what you think of this. So the whole album was totally awesome. So thank you for that. Oh sure. So I, I wrote down all of the songs on science, literally the first that opening riff that opening riff is just sweet red tide i had uh i felt a little danzig and filter vibes um i felt filter vibes um like kind of like throughout um just to kind of give the listeners an idea of you know how you guys sound um photograph so this is where your mid-range heavy and deceptively upbeat comment comes in i said youtube grooves slash pop vibes
0: yeah, no, you're spot on. That's it. You know,
1: because you the, it's that got little chuggy in, in there. I wrote
0: that song. That chuggy little guitar thing in there. That was that's. I, I think I stole it from uh, Streets of Have No Name. Maybe I don't know.
1: it had very. don't <laughs> YouTube... got
0: enough money. He's not going to sue me. Yeah. No, <laughs> no.
1: It had it had that YouTube groove to it. I was digging it. Um, carry on. Okay, so you're going to appreciate this because you you got to do this with the Pulp Fiction voice. So when they're doing the the scene with the coffee at Jimmy's house. Yeah. That's some good shit. Now he says gourmet shit, but that's some good shit. shit. So literally carry on. That's how I feel. That's some good shit. All
0: right. Well, great.
1: Uh, Overcome. Lay it down. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. Like it was it was so cool listening to these songs because it was so fresh. It was very exciting because. One of the things I feel is being a Gen Xer, there I just don't feel connected to the music today. And sure. I don't know if, you know, if it if it just had to be with being a teenager or the music that's just out there, It's it's very different. And so to have your music, to be doing these notes, I felt like I was a young kid who had just saved up my allowance money and I just bought a new record at the end of the week. <laughs> Cause that's what I used to do. I used to go down to licorice pizza um, nice. and uh, sometimes the grocery store, sometimes the grocery store would sell albums, you know, vinyl and right. I would save my, my allowance and that's what I would buy. I would buy records. And so it was really cool to connect that experience. So I had a lot of nostalgia as I was listening to, to your music.
0: Well, that's just about the best compliment that you can get. <laughs> that's great. I think that's awesome.
1: I dig it. Uh, a new place optimistic Mm -hmm. notes and again this was before i heard your the quote optimistic Mm -hmm. notes um before lyrics even started so before i even heard your lyrics there are just these the music just had this optimistic sound um and then figure it out again damn damn, jimmy Jimmy. so the same pulp fiction (laughs) damn jimmy Jimmy. now keep it good is my absolute favorite song
0: all right
1: i literally fuck yes driving bass Fuck yes. The guitar <laughs> transitions losing my mind.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of guitar work on that track. We, we, it took a while to kind of piece it together. We had to build it to stages. It's a lot. It's like it's almost a six minute song, too.
1: Yeah. But it's, it's so sweet. Like that was good. Keep it good. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was digging it. I was digging it. Oh, great. No, there's awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys or ask you about your pumpkin patch pick. Ten. How okay. is that?
0: The pumpkin pack. Pe- all, right, all right. So the pumpkin. So first of all, just like my brother does all our design, and he's a marketing. He 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 is a a merch junkie. So you come to a Veer show, it looks like you know Kmart. I mean, we've got a wall full of t-shirts, obviously, but we've got we've got like the Spaceballs lunchbox. We've got everything you want a flask. We've got a flat. You want. Earplugs, we've got veer plugs. You know, we Oh my neat. gosh. We just came off of a uh was it last year, a year long run of um we teamed up with a, a local distillery in Baltimore. We had our own veer vodka. So we we were doing a lot of liquor store promos and, and stuff like that, which was which was neat. So merch all over the place. The um the pumpkin face with the little veer logo for for us. Yeah, dish.
1: for the mouth.
0: Yeah. So that was drawn by a friend of ours and it was done for a, a run of t-shirts for a halloween show we did a, a few years ago um people love that logo and we have just kind of kept it alive through other you know more shirts or um we did like basketball jerseys with them on there uh you know the pick tins whatever, whatever you know you could probably find uh you know a spatula with that logo on it somewhere but um Yeah, and and it kind of crossed over, you know, I'm I'm also a horror writer, so a lot of my fans who are into the music and read my books, they like sort of the creepier stuff, so that Halloween thing really kind of took off, you know, we, um, uh, and then we kind of spun it from there, and we have like a Beetlejuice version, and like a Ghostbusters, we're all about copyright infringement, by the way, you can, we'll we'll steal a logo and put our own thing over top of it.
1: Yeah, Riffbusters, I saw that.
0: That's right, yeah. So uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so that's fun, yeah, that's where the pumpkin thing comes
1: from. Oh, man, that's so cool. You are wearing some guitar picks in one of your videos. I believe it's Red Tide. So I was going to ask you, is there a story behind the, the those particular guitar picks that you're wearing in that video?
0: Yeah, there's uh. So one of them, well, it's actually one of them is a guitar pick. It's it's when we first started this band, my brother to kind of impress upon me how excited he was. He got guitar picks made with my name on it, mm-hmm. and like and on the backside it's it's Greedo's head from Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wear that, I you know from from it for every show. Uh, and then the other thing I wear is a bottle cap actually it's not a guitar pick it's a bottle cap on a string that has the new orleans water table on the back of it and i was given that as a gift when i was i was down there uh for about a week years and years ago and uh, there was a little kid uh he had them stuck to the bottom of his shoes and he was dancing for for money so i used to go and every night i'd buy him dinner and we'd talk and he gave me one on a necklace so that's where that came oh, from. I hear that at every show I forget, this is like a soda bottle cap with uh, the, t- the water table of New Orleans in it. Yeah, he was selling them and cap and dancing with them and stuff. And uh, so he was nice enough to give me one as a gift. So I've kept it all these years and I wear it at every show.
1: Oh, that is so sweet. That's like, oh, you're such a, like, that's the kind of stuff that just like melts my heart. Like, there's something so cool about like being a horror author, a mm. rock and roller, and then being a really Fucking good guy. So, final <laughs> final questions. Okay. If you could jam with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be?
0: Well, to kind of bring it full circle, I'd say Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, he was what got me into music. I fell in love with his stuff. I actually took a road trip and tried to get into his house once. <laughs> um, but for uh, the past couple of years, my brothers and I, even that yeah, we, we would we would kind of talk about. You know, what would be neat is to make a documentary of three brothers who play music only because they, you know, listen to this guy who's from a completely different part of the, the country who who are, are, you know, cultural norms don't even match up really. But uh, to track this guy down, do a documentary of us going to his house and playing a song with them. And we were all, we were going to do it, but he died like last year. So, uh yeah, that was a bummer, but um, yeah. you know, so probably that, that would be
1: my thing. Very yeah. cool. Thank you for tuning in to part one of my chat with guest, author, and musician Ronald Malfi. Tune in to hear part two this Friday where we deep dive into his books. You're listening to Radio UNK. Let's get amped. Radio UNK.